You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly is brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Everyone, welcome to Guardians Weekly as we join you this weekend from Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, California, where the Guardians continue their three-city, nine-game road swing that has gone extremely well so far as they have taken the first four games of the road swing, including Friday night in Los Angeles against Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers. And with this stretch of play that has seen the Guardians win 14 of 17, Heading into play Saturday evening, they have pulled it within one game of the front-running Minnesota Twins. Coming up on our show this week, we'll hear from Rob Serfolio, a minor league report from Rob. He's the director of player development for the Guardians. We'll also visit with a pair of relievers who are part of one of the top bullpens in baseball, closer Emmanuel Classe and also setup man Sam Hentges. We'll hear from two outstanding Major League managers for a long time, Colorado's Bud Black, who has those Cleveland ties, having played for the then-Indians back in the late 80s and also a part of their front office for a while, and, of course, Terry Francona, too. But first, we start with our Week in Review, and it begins with the road trip opener Tuesday night in Denver, a challenging series because of the conditions and uh, the home field advantage that the Rockies have playing in the mile-high city of Denver, Colorado. But Cleveland, on Tuesday night, got the scoring started in the third inning with Jose Ramirez continuing to rack up the RBIs. The 2-1. Swung on, line, left side, base hit. That'll score a pair. Across home plate is Quan. Right behind him is Rosario. And Jose Ramirez does it again. A two-run single gives the Guardians a 2-0 lead. 61 driven in on the season now for Jose Ramirez. The Rockies got on the board in the bottom half of the third, and it was 2-1 Guardians into the sixth. That's when Josh Naylor delivered to extend the lead. Pitch to him. Swung on, ground ball right side, on through the drawn-in infield. A base hit into right, and that brings in Ramirez with the Guardians' third run on the night. Cleveland now leads it 3-1. In the seventh, dangerous Charlie Blackman hit a two-run home run to tie the game at three, and it remained tied through nine, and on into extra innings we went. In the top half of the tenth, Jose Ramirez led off with Ahmed Rosario, the ghost runner, at second base. The ghost runner at second is Rosario. The pitch, Ramirez grounds it over the first baseman. It may have hit Crone, but it goes into right field. Scoring is Rosario on his way to second. Safe at second is Ramirez. That ball took a bad hop, and Crone 
went down to the ground. I don't know if it hit him, but that ball made it into right field. And Ramirez brings in the go-ahead run as Rosario scores from second. 4-3 Guardians. And it is going as a double for Jose Ramirez, the RBI double. Man, what a night for Ramirez. And that would be it for the Guardians in the top of the 10th. Emmanuel Classe came on in the bottom of the 10th. However, he quickly found himself in a jam after an error gave the Rockies runners at first and third nobody out and Brandon Rogers standing in for Colorado. Now the 1-0. Swung on, a tapper back to the mound. Coming home is Blackman. The shovel by Classe home. It's dropped by Hedges who throws it back to Classe. Blackman's still in the rundown. They flip it to Ramirez who tags out Blackman. What a mess, but it works out for the time being as the potential run is cut down in a rundown between third and home. The Rockies will have runners at first and second. But Class A was still in danger. Power hitter C.J. Crone stepped to the plate. Here comes the pitch. Swung on, ground ball to the second baseman, Jimenez. To the back for one. Rosario to first. Double play, and the Guardians win it. Classe works out of it. A mammoth jam in the bottom half of the 10th inning. And the Guardians win a hard-fought 4-3 ball game in Denver. What a finish. And a 4-3 Guardians win. On to Wednesday. We start in the second inning, and Oscar Mercado is at the plate trying to give the Guardians the early lead. Here comes the pitch. Swung on, and that's lined to the right side. On through. Base hit Mercado, and that will score Owen Miller. Mercado comes through with the two-out RBI single, and it's 1-0 Guardians. It's remarkable how efficient the Guardians have been hitting with runners in scoring position and two outs. They came in hitting better than 290, best in the league, best in the major leagues in that regard. And Mercado keeps that positive trend rolling. The Rockies responded with two runs in the bottom of the second, but in the third, Rosario evened things up with one swing of the bat. The 1-0 pitch, and that swung on and lifted high in the air, deep left center, headed to the bleachers. Home run, Rosario. Tie ball game at two. First home run of the season for Ahmed Rosario. And that went well over 400 feet into the bleachers in left center. Again, Colorado answered two runs in the bottom of the third to take a 4-2 lead. Then it was the Guardians' turn in the fifth. Filling in for Tom Hamilton this week on our radio broadcast is Cavaliers play-by-play man Tim Alcorn. And he had the call with Jose Ramirez at the plate. Coming into tonight, Jose was three hits shy of tying... Rip Manning for 30th place in the Cleveland all-time hit list with 1,053. So now Jose has moved to within one of Mr. Manning. And he's just tied him as there's a line drive base hit into right field. So Jose Ramirez now three for three in the ball game. And more importantly, Guardians now at first and second with one out here in the fifth. Jose is just a hitting machine. Gomber from the stretch as both runners go. They'll throw to third, and the throw goes into left field. 
Turning and heading for home is Rosario, and making his way to third is Jose Ramirez, and it's now a 4-3 ball game. Owen Miller drove in Ramirez with a sack fly to tie it, and then Josh Naylor put the Guardians in front. Dombert comes home, that pitch, skied out to right, going back, Grichik, he's at the wall, and it's off the wall! Rounding third and coming in to score, Oscar Gonzalez, Josh Naylor at second. With a two-out RBI double. And it puts the Guardians on top by a score of 5-4. to four. And with a two-run lead in the ninth, Emmanuel Classe was on once again to try and close it out. There's a swing and a bouncer back to the mound. Classe to second for one. Rosario to first. Great scoop by Naylor. And that ends it. Another win for the Guardians on a double play in the bottom of the ninth inning. What a finish tonight for Cleveland as they defeat Colorado 7-5 to take game two of this three-game series. They will go for the sweep tomorrow. So on to Thursday, the Guardians looking for the sweep on Thursday afternoon. And once again, they got the scoring started early second inning with an RBI ground out from Richie Palacios. And then Austin Hedges came through. The 2-1. Swung on, line drive, base hit for Hedges to left. That'll score Miller, and the Guardians grab a 2-0 lead. Austin Hedges coming through with a two-out RBI single, and that's another area where Cleveland has excelled this season, and the Guardians have the early lead. RBI number 13 for Austin Hedges. A couple of hitters later, Ahmed Rosario continued his hot stretch. Here's the 1-0. There goes Quan, and the pitch is grounded through the left side. A base hit. Hedges will score. Quan is on his way to third, and Rosario stays hot. Driving in the run. It's now 3-0 Guardians. Meanwhile, on the mound, Tristan McKenzie continued what has been an outstanding season. Tristan McKenzie at 3-5 on the year with a 3.09 ERA. He has been very effective here this afternoon as the 3-1 pitch is bounced to third fielded cleanly by Jose throws over to first in time and the Rockies go quickly here in the home half of the fourth three up three down as McKenzie has now retired six in a row the Rockies got on the board with a run in the fifth but in the seventh Rosario got that run right back for the Guardians the 1-1 Swung on, and there's a line drive to center. This has hit a ton. Back on it, and making the catch is Gritchick. But that's plenty deep enough to score the run as Quan comes down the line, and the Guardians now lead it 4-1. to one. Sack fly for Ahmed Rosario. So we move ahead to the ninth inning. 4-2, to two, Guardians in front, and four, a third day in a row. Emmanuel Classe got the call to try and protect the lead. He gave up back-to-back singles to begin the inning, then got Charlie Blackman to fly out for the first out, and that set it up with Brandon Rogers at the plate trying to keep the game alive for Colorado. Here's Classe's 2-1 delivery. Swung on, ground ball, third base. Ramirez to second for one. He managed to first double play! The third time in three games that the game ends on a double play, and the game ends as a win for the Guardians. Four to two, your final score this afternoon in Denver. The Guardians 
have completed the three-game series sweep. What a three-game series in Denver for the Guardians. So it was on to Los Angeles for a Friday night matchup against the Dodgers to start a three-game series against one of the best teams in baseball. And it was great pitching on both sides in this one as the only run Zach Plesak gave up was a solo home run to Cody Bellinger in the second inning. And on the other side, the Guardians scratched out just one run against the great Clayton Kershaw in the fourth thanks to Josh Naylor. 1-2 pitch, Naylor drives that one left center field. Going back, Chris Taylor settles under it, makes the catch. Tagging and scoring is Jose Ramirez, and we've got a tie ball game. Josh Naylor with a sack fly to send Jose Ramirez home, and it's a 1-1 contest. The bullpens were just as good as the game stayed tied at 1 through 9, and once again, it was off to extra innings for the Guardians. In the top of the 10th, Andres Jimenez led off with an infield single that sent the ghost runner Owen Miller to third base. And then pinch hitter Richie Palacios was at the plate trying to break the tie. Here's the 1-1. Swung on, line to center. Should be deep enough to score the run. Bellinger makes the catch, fires it home. Here comes Miller. He slides in safely with the go-ahead run. Nice work by Palacios. With that runner at third, nobody out. He gets the run home with a sacrifice fly, and it's 2-1 Cleveland. In the bottom of the 10th, with that one-run lead, Anthony Goes got the first out, striking out Freddie Freeman. And with Emmanuel Classe unavailable due to a heavy workload, Guardians manager Terry Francona called on Angel De Los Santos, who was trying to nail down his first major league save. A one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. De Los Santos gets the job done. And the Guardians beat the Dodgers in ten. Well, there it is. What a start to the series in Los Angeles. And what a start to the road swing as the Guardians carry a five-game winning streak into play on Saturday evening. Stay with us. We'll have more to come as Guardians Weekly continues from Los Angeles after this. Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do. If you were head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play calling ability might be a little overblown, considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. We welcome you back in the Guardians Weekly. Well, the Guardians played in Denver earlier this week, so a rare meeting with the Rockies and their manager, Bud Black. And we had a chance to catch up with him earlier in the week. And during his playing career, he was traded to Cleveland in 1988 and had a chance to play with current Guardians manager Terry Francona. And he talks about how that meeting in Cleveland led to a lifelong friendship with the Guardians manager. Well, you know, we sort of got there about the same time. I was uh, in Kansas City, got traded for Pat Tabler. Uh, you know, you Indian fans will remember Pat. Uh, Tito was in AAA with us. Uh, he got called up. So uh, we became fast friends. Uh, we just had so much in common. Uh, you know, just similar views on, you know, baseball, you know, outside of baseball, our, our hobbies. Uh, and became just, you know, fast friends, like I mentioned. And 
uh, and it hasn't stopped. Uh, I enjoy Tito. Uh, we don't get a chance to uh, to see each other as much as we'd like to, but uh, whenever we do get together uh, in the winter time or uh, briefly at a ballpark, if we're playing against each other, spring training, uh, it's like time is uh, you know it's never has never stopped. It's just here we are. Seems like '88 again. Uh, a lot of laughs, uh, a lot of stories. It's such it's such good stuff. Your playing career ends, and you come back to the Indians in a front office capacity where you, you could do a lot of different things. Did you ever think that would lead to this when, when you first started, or were you really just trying to figure out where you wanted to go? I was really trying to figure it out, uh, Rosie. I think uh, the Indians offered me a great opportunity to, uh, to learn and to see where my baseball path was going to go. I, I owe so much to John Hart, Dan O'Dowd, Mark Shapiro, uh, you know, who headed up the Indians organization at that time uh, and, and helped guide me to, to eventually become the pitching coach in Anaheim and then on to San Diego and now here. Uh, but those five years from 1995 when I was my last year as a player through the 99 season uh, were so instrumental in my growth as, as a baseball man outside of being a player. Uh, learned so much. So that's Bud Black's side of the story. We also asked Tito about his friendship with Bud Black, and he, too, shared some fond memories of that 1988 season. You know, it's funny because you don't necessarily, you know, position players and pitchers, I'm not sure, but me, Blackie, and John Farrell, we just were inseparable. And me and Blackie on the road, we had adjoining rooms, and, I mean, we were as tight as you could be, and, I mean, I just... It, it was like I was like three days into it, and I'm like, we were like best friends. And that's Blackie. He's very special. And just because we're on different sides doesn't take any of that away. I mean, I know they want to beat our brains out today, and we want to do that to them. But he's one of the f- best, funniest guys, nicest guys you'll ever meet in this game. Good stuff there about a different time in Cleveland baseball history, to be sure. A team that really struggled but produced some really good managers, not only Tito and Bud Black, but also John Farrell and Ron Washington. Good stuff there from both of those managers. And uh, stay with us. We'll have more to come as Guardians Weekly continues from Los Angeles after this. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from Dodgers Stadium in Los Angeles. Guardians and Dodgers with a 7-15 first pitch Cleveland time Saturday night and then one more on Sunday afternoon, a 4-10 first pitch Cleveland time. Sam Henches has had a nice start to his season working out of the bullpen exclusively for the first time in his young major league career. We had a chance to visit with him earlier this week and He has settled in nicely as a reliever, and he says he's feeling comfortable in that role at this time. Definitely. I think um, having a more defined role in the bullpen has has helped out, and the guys guys down there, the the group that we have in the bullpen, um, it's a fun group. Everyone helps each other, bounces ideas off each other, and it it definitely helps out on a day-to-day basis. And from the standpoint of, of going from a starter to a reliever, at, at what point did it become apparent to you that, that this might be something that you would do on a more regular basis? Um, I, I Coming up as a starter in the minor leagues, 
Uh, most guys, when they when they come into the big leagues, uh, they come in out of the bullpen. So I always knew that it was going to be a possibility at some point. Um, I didn't know it would happen. I mean, it happened last year a little bit, happened this year. Um, but I'm comfortable with it. I, I like it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a good challenge trying to get the body ready to go every night. I've talked to Eli Morgan about that and a former starter who, who's now working out of the pen. He likes being on call every game, potentially. Is that something that, that excites you too? Definitely. I mean, you see you see guys like Brian Shaw who have done it for years and years, and his ability to get himself prepared to pitch in every single game is is very respectable, and, and, and you want to follow in those footsteps. And as a bullpen guy, you do want to be ready to throw every single night. And how much different is that preparation from, say, every fifth day wanting to throw 90 to 100 pitches to maybe other day, every other day having to you know, go out there just for an inning at a time? Um, it's on, on like a daily routine, it, it is a little bit different. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, your name is called and, and you're in the game. You're just trying to get out. And that's, that's the same whether you're a starter, a closer, a middle inning guy. It's, you're just trying to go out there and, and help the team win. Sam Hench is joining us. Big part of a bullpen that has really come on as the season has gone along for the Guardians. And Sam, you look at at certain factors that, that go into things, and, and this is a very young ball club. There's no getting around that. But your teammate Cal Quantrill says, hey, that, that's no excuse. Uh, youth is good in, in some ways. And, and you're one of those young guys. How do you feel about that on a team that, that really has played well in, in stretches? I think, like you said, Cal... Cal said youth is good. I think it's it's good. It's it's nice to get um, young faces in here. Everyone around here is young, um, and we're all we're all learning. We're all still growing um, individually and as a team. So it it is it makes the uh, coming into the clubhouse every day a lot of fun, uh, especially when when all of us kind of came up together through the minor league system together. And expectations. Uh, I'm sure you have them, the, the team has them, and maybe it's different from what people on the outside would say, but uh, is it kind of fun to go out there with those high expectations and see if you can live up to that? Definitely, and like you said, with the, with the young team that we have, um, there's a, a lot of guys making large contributions to the team at a young age, and it's, it's really fun to see and it's really fun to be a part of. Circling back to, to you and, and what you're doing to get outs, uh, seems like you're using a, a sinker a little bit more, a good force, uh, two-seam fastball to, to get some sink to it. Uh, how does that develop, and, and how how long does it take to get confidence in, in a pitch like that that can really be a weapon for you? I used it a little bit last year, kind of implemented it towards the end of last year and really worked on it a lot this offseason. Um, when I came into camp, Cal Quantra, who also throws a two-seamer or a sinker, um, he's helped me out a decent amount with it. Um, and it's, it, this offseason, it was kind of trial and error because it's a pit, it's a fastball. It's hard, and you want it to move. Um, but it has definitely helped me out because um, it's just something to get the hitters off my four-seamer. Um, and I think it's it's been a big help this year. It's generated a lot of ground balls. Um, and it, it just definitely has kind of brought the arsenal all together. And command-wise, it seems like you're you're a little sharper, a little more consistent. Is that just the reps and, and gaining a little more experience? I think it's a little bit more of a mindset change and just being aggressive, uh, going out there. And like I said earlier, you're trying to get outs as quickly as possible, and you're not going to get outs if you're not throwing it in the zone. Um, and I struggled with that last year and have struggled with that in the past. And I think I just came into this year and 
just try to be as aggressive as possible in the strike zone with, with all four pitches. I'll guess you're happy to get the ball whenever you're called upon, but you've had an opportunity recently to pitch late in games where the game's on the line. Uh, what does that mean to you that, that the coaching staff and Tito have that trust in you? I mean, it's it's cool to see. And like I said earlier, with the group of guys that we have out there right now, it's kind of, it could be anybody. And that's that's really cool and, and pretty rare to have as a bullpen is anybody's name could be called at any time and we're all ready to go. Um, but it, it is cool to, to gain trust from the manager and um, just try to go out in big situations and, and put the team in a position to win. Sam, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's reliever Sam Hentges, and he has been uh, filling a key role in that bullpen to try and get the game to the ninth inning so the Guardians can turn it over to their closer, Emmanuel Classe. No one hotter right now in terms of closing games in the big leagues as he saved three straight in Denver against the Rockies, and we caught up with him after his first save on Tuesday night in the extra inning win in Denver. It's not an easy spot ever to pitch in extra innings with that ghost runner starting at second base, but he talked about how he's able to keep his cool in those situations. Now, durante ese momento, me sentí muy confiado, confiando en mí, 100%. Yeah, I think it's basically trusting myself in every pitch that I, that, that I execute and, and, you know, giving, always relying on myself. I know after the little error that happened in the, on that play in second base, I just keep focusing on executing my pitches, doing my best, and taking it easy one pitch at a time. And then when they play, uh, the, the runner coming at home play, that's what he focuses, get the ball to the catcher and get the plane going, and, and that's what I think helps us uh, win the game. And your pitching coach, Carl Willis, says you've come a long way fielding your position, and how important has that been to you? How much have you worked on that to get better? Nada, es algo que yo en realidad me propuse, porque en realidad yo... Yeah, that was one of my goals in the offseason. I'm aware that my my, my glove and my defense is not my strong suit in the, in the field, but that's why I work in the offseason. Entertaining, I worked out grounding field, uh, grounders with the kids back home and had a good time with that. So I probably can say that that's something that has improved because I, I worked on it, and, and I know it helps a lot more in my game right now. Coming on in the 10th inning, but more often than not, you're starting an inning clean, nobody on base, but extra innings now, you, you come on, you're in a jam right away. Uh, do you like that challenge? Little situations come with an extra adrenaline because you get that little extra uh, necessity to keep the run at bay and not let it score. So obviously I try to do my best, and if I have the chance to punch out, that that's the goal. I try to, but if not, try to make him out. But I feel those are really exciting situations to pitch in. Emmanuel, you're having another really strong season. You had a good one last year, and I know it's about the team, but all-star game could be a possibility if it keeps going the way it's going and, and how what would that mean to you to be a part of that especially this young in your career yeah, I mean, I can deny that's something that's really important to me. I felt like last year I, I put the numbers to, to be there, but, you know, unfortunately it didn't happen. But this year I feel like the things have come out the way we wanted, and, and for me something important because it will be a good way for me to showcase and compete against the, the, some of the better players of the league. So it's something that has motivated me and something that is a, go, a personal goal of mine to be able to participate and take part of one of those games. I'm sure something else very important to you. Earlier this season, you committed to the Guardians, and they committed to you with a long-term contract. What made this the, the right place to be for you long-term? 
Nada, me hizo, me, hace, me hizo sentir bien y más cómodo aquí, el compañerismo. I think one of the big things is like the team that we have and how the team is how we get along. I think that's very important to me and, and I truly believe that we have a chance to compete and that's what like make me make that decision, you know. One of my goals is to win a World Series ring and I felt like with the, the, the team is that we have here, we have a chance to compete for that. So that's one of the decisions for me to, to sign with this organization long term. Emmanuel, thanks a lot for coming by. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Augie. Thank you, guys. That's Emmanuel Classe developing into one of the game's top closers. The Guardians certainly feel good when he comes into a game to finish it out. Stay with us. We'll have more to come as Guardians Weekly continues from Los Angeles after this. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were laying on the horn while driving, let me say it again. Are you a race car driver? Because if you are, you're in the wrong car and you took a wrong turn off the track a while ago. And all those cars you're trying to pass all save money with Progressive Snapshot, while you probably don't. So, who's really winning? <clears throat> and if you did hear it the first time, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Welcome back to... Guardians Weekly, Jim Rosenhouse back with you at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. Time for the weekly minor league report with Rob Serfolio, the Guardians Director of Player Development. A lot going on right now at AAA Columbus, including several major leaguers coming through on rehab assignments. Players like Fran Mill Reyes, pitchers Aaron Savali, and James Karinchak. And Rob talks about the benefits for the younger players at AAA being around the experienced major leaguers. It's huge, and I know we've been talking about this almost weekly, Rosie, of just how young we are, really top to bottom through the minor leagues. And anytime you can get veteran players and veteran players like these guys that have had success to come spend time around some of our developing prospects so that they can, you know, in some sense, see what good looks like. It's it's something that, that we try and teach and, and really ingrain into our players like, the value of having a routine and how there's so many pieces of the puzzle that go into what you do at seven o'clock each night. And anytime you get to see that up close and personal from a, from a big leaguer that's had success like those three guys, I think it really has an impact and, um, you know, kind of further drives home some of the messages that, that our coaching staff and, and coordinators try to try to model and, and, and show and, and illustrate just how important it is for the players, like peer to peer examples. There's nothing better than that. And the player who's been there the longest uh, has been James Karinchek, who has a, a fairly major injury to come back from that uh, hit in spring training. Um, and you look at, at the numbers, and it looks like you know he's given up some runs, given up some hits, and, and trying to find that command. What are some of the things that, that he's going through because of, of missing almost all of spring training? Yeah, I think, I think you nailed it right there, Rosie. And, and this is almost as if it's acting as his spring training to a degree. I mean... Here, here's a guy that got hurt coming out of the lockout pretty early on uh, when we were all together back in Arizona in, in March. And this is what his spring training has almost become is some of the rehab process out in Arizona and then really his first taste in game action here in Columbus now. So um, to your point, like, and I think James would note this as well, that he's not having the the performance outcomes that, that he wants yet, but I think that's a similar pattern that you see for guys in spring training. And as they're getting closer to 100% and really ramping up their their workload and readiness, 
they get closer to that optimal performance zone. And, and that's really where we are with Carney. And he's obviously an incredibly hard worker and super competitive kid. And, and he wants to go out there and have success every time, but he's coming back from an injury. And I know our pitching group down in Columbus and, and the major league staff is, is just trying to support him as best as we can so that he is ready to come back and impact our major league team in, in the ways that we've all seen before. Rob Serfolio joining us, the Guardians Director of Player Development, and uh, we're checking in on AAA Columbus and, and some intriguing names offensively. Uh, another player coming back from injury, uh, but having some early success is Nolan Jones. First off, where is he playing, and also uh, how is he looking as he comes back from missing a lot of spring training in the first portion of the season? Yeah, It's been great to have Jonesy back out there on the field, and, and similar to, to Carney, like another guy that had some injuries in spring training. He was out in Arizona with our rehab group with Larry Day, <clears throat> Jeremy Harris, like a lot of our team that helps rehabilitate athletes and get them ready for game action. And those guys out in Arizona did a great job. And, and Nolan did as well, kind of preparing for, for this moment to, to be ready for game action in Columbus. And to your point on defense, I mean, we spent a ton of time actually working with him in the outfield and he's playing primarily right field now. He's had some experience in left uh, dating back to previous years, but we've put more of our our eggs in the right field basket, at least currently, and, and he's doing a great job out there with his work and, and really learning the intricacies of a new position. And, and it's been exciting to see him back in the batter's box doing a lot of the things that has, has made Nolan Jones Nolan Jones, and, and that's you know really commanding the, the strike zone and not chasing and swinging at good pitches and then doing damage when he puts the ball in play. So I know he was really excited to, to get back out to, to affiliate baseball and um, you know was knocking on the door almost daily, and it's exciting to see, to see him back out there every day playing. Tyler Freeman, another highly regarded infield prospect. How's his season gone as he gets deeper into it at the AAA level for the first time? Yeah, you know, similar to Nolan in the sense that guys coming off injuries, like a little bit slower ramp up just as part of the rehab, but T. Freeze just jumped right in and and he's played second, he's played short, he's even played third at times and just, I think, speaks to his versatility. and, And we're talking about a kid that just brings great attitude and energy to the ballpark every day and you know, we're happy that he's up in AAA, adjusting to a new level, working through some some things with his approach with with Jason Esposito and and Grant Fink, our hitting coordinator, has been in there quite a bit as well. And uh, I think we're starting to see you know him get to that hundred plate appearance line, which is you know similar to where we try and get guys in spring training, whether it's in games or on backfields. And and I think we're gonna be poised for a big second half from him. An uh, outfielder that we've we've talked about at the AA level and has been moved up and continues to do nothing but hit is Will Brennan. And uh, how does this guy keep doing it? He, it seems like it doesn't matter the level. Uh, he just continues to pick up his base hits. You are correct. And it's been, I think he was international player of the week last week and hit like over 600 for the week and had multiple days where he had three or four hits. And, and again, like you said, we, we've talked about Will a couple times on here and and it's exciting when, when you have players that are able to kind of just raise the bar every time they go to a, to a new level. And, and again, I think it just speaks to, to Will's preparation and his focus and, and, and obviously his talent as well. And it's, it's exciting to kind of sit back and, and watch him just 
really lead his own development. And I think that's what a lot of our best players do. And, and Will certainly does that. And, and our coaches are there to support him. And, and we're hoping to see some, some more of the success that he's had so far in AAA and, and see where that plays out through the rest of the year. And we'll finish with Will Benson, who's a, a familiar name to, to those who follow the draft. He's a former first-round pick by uh, the Cleveland organization. It's been a, a slow climb through the minor league system, but here he is at AAA, and, and there's a lot of really good numbers offensively for a, a tremendous outfield athlete. And what are you seeing from Will as he continues to keep at this thing and, and get a little bit closer to where he'd like to be? I'm so glad you mentioned his name, Rosie, because I think, you know, and this speaks to just the depth that we have in our system, and we're excited about that, but everything he does on field, off field is how you'd want to model one of our players in this organization. And on top of that, like he's a guy that just has continued to get better and better every year. And you go back and look at the one year he struggled in Lake County, he comes back the next year and puts up big numbers and, and just has continued to refine his game, both on offense and defense. And it's a direct result of just an incredible work ethic and, and high character that Will has. And, and again, I think, you know, he's a leader for us in, in the clubhouses that he's in and uh, just has such a positive effect on not only himself in the way that he carries, but but the teammates around him. And and it's really exciting just to see him to continue to to get better and better. And, and you look up and he's got close to an 850 OPS and he's hitting the ball hard and hitting for power and getting on base and, and playing good defense in the outfield and, and just doing all the things away from the field that, that we ask our players to to try and model and and take ownership over it. And that's, you know, really exciting to have guys like him that continue to get better on field and are just those model citizens away from the ballpark. Nice to see, certainly. Rob, uh, as always, thanks for coming by. Uh, Great to have you along, and we'll catch up with you again next week. Sounds good, Rosie. I appreciate it. That's Rob Serfolio, the Director of Player Development for the Guardians. Good stuff, as always, from Rob this week talking about AAA Columbus. That's going to do it for our show this week. Thanks so much to Brian Motze, as always, for putting together our show each and every week. Stay with us. We'll join you next week from finally back home in Cleveland after this long three-city road trip. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon's 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.